Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric. Oh, my God. I'm back. You're back. You're oh back from God. your big European tour. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was you're gone for so long. You're very fancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, very broke is what I am. Right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're fancy theoretically, yeah. but realistically broke. Yeah. I, I find you can do a lot of things in life if you're just comfortable with being broke afterwards. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. It's amazing what you can do if you're mm-hmm. just willing to spend money and be broke. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you, because you were mm-hmm. gone yeah. a month, right? Uh, yeah, just about a, almost a, almost exactly well, a month. tell everybody where you were. Uh, I was in, I went to Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Sweden for three out of the four weeks. And one of the weeks I was in Germany. Did you get to go see anything or were you just like going to gigs and then sleeping? Um, we saw some stuff. We went around, um, I, the most like touristy, like, like actual sightseeing we did was, uh, we went, when we were in Berlin, we went to the Berlin wall. Oh, cool. Um, what's interesting about... <laughs> Because they have one section of the Berlin, Berlin Wall still up. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting about it, though, is like there's like a section of the Berlin Wall. And then like literally under it is a like a, like an exhibit, like a retrospective of the Nazis rise to power. Mm-hmm. And I was just like really while I was down there, I was like really out of it. Like these are two different things. <laughs> these are two different events. And they're literally on top of each other. Do you think they're just like the Americans won't know? <laughs> just put it all in one place. Yeah. It's convenient for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. They don't have to go across town. Yeah. Well, I think it's there because the section, obviously the Berlin Wall was very large, but the section that they left up is like on the grounds of the former like Gestapo and SS Mm. encampment so do you think they were like let's just put all the bad things probably yeah yeah let's let's just just get this out of the mm -hmm, way just you know so we don't have to look at it all the time Mm -hmm. just have it in a very specific location yeah let's remember all the bad things Mm -hmm. at once yeah this is where everyone go to feel bad and then you can (laughs) go shop later and then forget about it so then when fascists rise to power again Mm -hmm. you're like this is happening for the first time yeah Mm -hmm. we've never been here before (laughs) um also what's really weird about Berlin is we went over we walked where the where the Berlin wall section is is like a few blocks away from Checkpoint Charlie and uh we noticed that around Checkpoint Charlie is very like modern and Mm -hmm. hip and it basically looks like midtown Manhattan Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of like high-end boutique shops and restaurants and stuff and uh but like (laughs) it seems like every expensive thing is on the side that used to be communist Okay. As if while they were rebuilding, they were like, mm, "Let's really stick it to yeah, them. Mm-hmm. Let's really just like a giant fuck you." Yeah, just a giant monument to capitalism, uh, right, right near the wall. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you, mm-hmm. what's your favorite thing you saw or did, and then also what was the worst moment of tour? Oh. Uh, oh wait, I know something that happened. You know something that happened because Faith told me. Oh goodness, what happened? Okay, so if I tell you, you can't use it as your worst thing. That's fine. You lost your wallet? I did lose my wallet. I, Eric, I can't fuck. <laughs> like, your life gives me a panic attack. <laughs> like, the fact that you just casually lose shit on the reg, mm-hmm. and then you're like, yeah, like, I lost my keys, I lost my wallet. Yeah, I'm I like, I would have a fucking heart attack. I didn't have my wallet for a week. And you were traveling. Yeah. So where did you lose it, and where were you when you realized you lost it? I lost it. We were driving. We drove from Sweden uh, all from near uh, the southern uh, part of Sweden, we drove through Denmark down to Germany. 
Uh, we stopped at a Burger King on the way. Okay. Uh, and I left it at the Burger King. Okay. And then where did you realize? I realized when we got to the apartment we were staying at that night, which was about an hour and a half away. Okay. And then when did you, like, so how did you get it back? We had to, because of the way everything was structured, uh, because the, the route we were traveling down, basically, I was an hour and a half south of my wallet. And uh, we, we were, like, playing a show uh, the next day and then immediately had to go to um uh to berlin which is like another three hours in the opposite direction okay so i was like there's no i had no time to drive back and get my right, wallet right. so i basically had to stay in uh hanover in berlin germany with no wallet and then when we drove back to Sweden, we just stopped back by the Burger King and got it from them. Okay. So were you just like borrowing money from people? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I didn't spend a lot of money. Yeah. So right. um, it was really just like I bought, I bought like when we first got to Sweden, I just bought a big bag of groceries mm. that I could just carry with me for the tour, like a lot of cheap stuff. Right. Uh, and so I had food. So I really just like didn't spend money. Gotcha. Um, uh, so you can't use that as the worst okay. thing that happened. What's the worst thing that happened? I think nothing, like nothing terrible happened. It could just be like annoying. Too. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like tragic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, a really frustrating thing that happened was one of our shows was like really poorly, like put together. Mm. Um, because like we, you know, when we were booking shows, we had to make it very clear like we're traveling from the United States. We do not have all of our gear with us. We we need the venue to have like backline gear or we need to borrow gear from another band. And one of the venues, like after we already had gotten to Sweden and you know, one of the venues like was like, Oh, we don't have another band playing with you. Oh, great. And we were like, well, we can't like, we can't play. And so right. I spent like two weeks trying to like find other bands to play with us and nobody would. And then it all got, it all got like the venue ended up getting gear for us to play like the day before the show, mm. which we weren't sure we were going to play. Wow. Anymore. Wow. Uh, so isn't that awesome? Yeah. Isn't it so <laughs> fun to plan a tour? Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was, that was weird. Um, yeah, that was like not fun to deal with, yeah, you know, just like bad. being in limbo for two weeks before we knew whether it was going to work or not. Um, the best thing I mean, just being over there was amazing. Um, honestly, I think the best thing, just because of how like how bizarre and weird it was to be a part of, was one of our shows was in like literally in the middle of the red light district in Hanover, Germany. Oh, that's cool! I really, really want to go to Germany. I've never been. Germany is awesome. Um, yeah. It's it was definitely interesting going to Germany after I'd already been in Sweden for two weeks because. The two countries are very different. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sweden is super laid back. Yep. Um, one of our shows in Sweden was in a tourist town on a Friday night. <laughs> and when we showed up to soundcheck at 6 p.m., everything, every store was closed. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, they are, they don't fuck around with, like, making sure people have time off and, like, time right. to relax. Like, everything Gee, is closed. what's that like? I know. Treating your employees humanely? <laughs> I was like walking around like, what am I supposed to do if I want stuff? <laughs> what I, what I want? I'm an American. Yeah. I'm an American and I want it now. Yeah. I was, it was so, and then Germany, 
Germany, especially like Berlin was like, I don't know, Berlin reminded me a lot of like kind of old school, like New York a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still very like in transition. Not as dangerous. Not as dangerous. <laughs> uh, Guys, old school New York was basically Mad Max. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was it basically was Mad Max. Insane. It's amazing that anyone lived here. Like I remember my dad used to work in the city when I was a mm-hmm. kid and he would come home just like, like, oh. Out of breath. I like, made it back. <laughs> yeah. I made it back. The guy got stabbed on the subway and I was just like, what's happening? Yeah um yeah berlin yeah it was it's just very much it feels you know it's it's when you're visiting the like the berlin wall and stuff in 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 berlin it's like i don't know it's hard to for it's hard to like easy to forget that like that was only like 40 years ago Mm. like basically nothing it was like still still very fresh so it's still very much like um a place in transition so there's like you know lots of cool you know artist things going on in berlin um we went to we went to go see uh randomly a friend of the singer of my band um from australia was in town because her husband was doing a six-month residency with his circus company <laughs> sure like you do. like an acrobatic circus company and they were like doing a show for six months in berlin and they got, like, got us tickets so we went to go see that while we were there that's cool that's uh, fun it was, it was really cool mm-hmm. um so there's like berlin has a lot of like vibrant nightlife and stuff like that um, yeah i would imagine they would yeah uh yeah i gotta I got to check it out. It's on my bucket list. You should. It was uh, also uh, Sweden's perfect for me because they have coffee all the time everywhere. Sure. It's like a a thing in their culture. Like even the bars serve coffee all night. Mm -hmm. It was perfect. It was it was perfect. You're in heaven. Mm -hmm. Also, that's probably where you would die from drinking too much coffee. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anything else that went down while you were on tour that you wanted to discuss? Mm. anything you missed about america anything i missed i mean i i honestly um, did miss like poverty i did miss poverty yeah she missed um gun violence Mm -hmm. i was i just felt so safe that it really sucked all the fun out of life all of your other senses de-heightened because you were not not on alert constantly in a Mm cat-like readiness at all times yeah i was just sitting there one time you know at this like farmhouse we were staying at and it just was the air was too fresh. Sure. That's it was too calm. Yeah. It was too calm and peaceful. And I was, I just, you know, it's hard to live that way. It is you know? hard to live that way. Yeah. It's like when you go to the suburbs and strangers smile at you and you're mm-hmm. like, what the fuck's your deal? <laughs> huh? What do you want? Who sent you? I, I worked with this guy one time at a bookstore when I lived in Alabama. And I was asking about, you know, just like getting to know him when I first started working there. We were working together. One night, and he was, you know, he was from uh, there in Alabama, but he's like, oh, but I used to live in Seattle. I was like, oh, uh, that's cool, you know, and that's right at the height of like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Tell me about Seattle. Sure, yeah. Um, and he was like, it sucks. And I was like, what? I've heard Seattle's cool. He's like, no, it sucks. The people there are mean. And I was like, really? What happened? And he's like, the first day I was in Seattle, I got on the bus, I sat down, I turned next to the guy to me, and I said, hey, how are you today? And he said, what are you taking a poll? <laughs> 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 oh i love it so much i love it so much yeah and then he moved back <laughs> oh that's so i'm dude if that made you move maybe you should not live in seattle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is so fucking funny yeah oh i love i love i love i love mm-hmm. um so yeah 
God, God, living in the city just turns you into monster. I just shouted at a tourist the other day. They yeah. stopped walking and like they were like, um, you know how tourists walk shoulder to shoulder mm-hmm. because um they're dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one can get past them. I just shouted move as like loudly as I could, and this girl jumped like a foot into the air. Yeah, and like yeah. immediately got out of my way, and I was like, all right. It's but like I'm at that level now. People who are not from New York, it's like they, it, it's like you'll they think you'll die if you can't talk to someone while you're walking. Uh, yeah, like especially it's the lack of awareness that mm-hmm. just destroys me because it feels so disrespectful. It's like you're treating the city where we live as a theme park. Mm-hmm. And that's really fucking annoying. Yeah. And it's like, I think that's why they sort of go into, you know, La La Land where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, like everything's revolving around me <laughs> and we can walk at our own pace, yeah, shoulder yeah. to shoulder. It's like, no, you fucking can't get out of the way. <laughs> if you want to go talk, go in somewhere. Go in somewhere. Find right. a seat, yeah. sit next to your friend, talk. But like, especially if you get off like the subway and you don't know where you're going, that's totally fine. Yeah. Find somewhere out of the way to look at your directions. Get Ugh. up against the wall. This is why I feel like the mayor needs to give a tutorial before <laughs> you're allowed to come into the city. They should play a video when you're coming into the it, airport. Don't or do the get, following yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Let people get off the train first. Oh, <sighs> I, that reminds me. I did have a very surreal experience on my way back from tour. Do it. Because I, all I'm going to do is yell about tourists. That's honestly, we could start a whole show just yelling at tourists. <laughs> Um, I, uh, when I flew back into JFK, uh, I got into the airport and I got down to passport control at 9.30 a.m. on September 11th. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Which is just Wait, the perfect time. Can you confirm this for me? Faith said that the reason you flew on 9-11 is because the flights are cheap. The flights are way cheaper on September 11th. Yeah, all right. I just wanted to check. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, it was right around when we needed to leave, mm-hmm. but... Like, our last show was on, like, September 9th, I think. Mm-hmm. And, like, or September 8th or September 9th. Uh, but it was, like, when we were looking for flights, it was, like, definitely cheaper to fly on September 9th. Sure, yeah. People are superstitious. Um, so, uh, w- but I got into line at Passport Control to come back into the United States at 9.30 a.m., which is roughly the time the second tower hit the building mm-hmm. on September 11th. Yes. Um, so I, as soon as I got into the room, all of the police officers stopped what they were doing, left their stations, went and formed a circle behind the glass and a bagpiper came out. What the fuck? And started playing bagpipes. Holy shit. In the middle of this circle of cops. Oh my God. For like 10 minutes. Wow. Yeah. And then there there was just like a bunch of uh, arguably confused foreigners yeah. Just standing in line, like, what do we, what do we do? And then the the people that were in the line for like the USA passports kind of knew what was happening, so we just like got in line and just sat there. Just let them, <laughs> let them feel it out for mm-hmm. a second. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's fucking intense. It was so bizarre. And then bizarre, like I don't mean that in a bad way. It was just so like such a not knowing it was going to happen to just walk into a room and a there's a bagpiper. A yeah, 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 like a morning ceremony. Mm-hmm. And because yeah. it, it, I knew I was flying September 11th, but it did take me a couple seconds to be like, what the hell is going on? Oh, oh, right, oh, right, right. right. <laughs> uh, that happened to me. I had to call the IRS because my life's an ongoing nightmare. Mm-hmm. And they were closed on September 11th. <laughs> and I was like, why the fuck? This isn't a national <laughs> hall. And then I was like, oh, right, 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 right. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Oh, and then when I got through passport control and i got up to the guard to like check my passport 
he was like, oh, I can't clear you uh, because your name matches uh, some sort of warning. And I was like, what? And he was like, uh, so you have to follow this lady and she's going to take you to an office. And then this lady was like, uh, we know it's probably fine, but you, we just have to get it cleared. So I was like, okay, whatever. And then I, t- she took my passport. She walked into an office and I was following her. She's like, just take a seat right there. And then uh, this lady at this desk will call you. And then she handed the lady a passport, left the room. Before I had a chance to sit down, like I took my base off, like before I even had a chance to sit down, the lady was like, all right, you're good to go. I was like, what just what happened? I have no idea. That's I, so weird. I was like, weird. what happened? You're probably like the one white guy they need to pick, so mm-hmm. it's not racial profiling. Yeah. And then <laughs> they're like, you're fine, by the way. You're fine. <laughs> just go. Because you're white. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, it's a Monday episode, which means I have a very special interview for you. This week, it is with Zeli Amani. He is a teacher, a blogger, an activist. He is a very, very smart person who you should be following on Twitter at Zelli, Z-E-L-L-I-E, Amani, I-M-A-N-I. And yeah, please enjoy. Wow. I have been talking to a bunch of people uh, during, you know, these very shitty times, and I've been asking them what they're reading or listening to or watching right now that's making them happy or, like, maybe giving them a mental break from all of the terrible news in the world right now. So uh, let's start with what are you reading right now? Um, right now... Right next to me is Ashley Angela Davis's Our Prisons Obsolete. Uh, and for people who don't know, uh, what is that book about? So Angela Davis is obviously uh, one of our, our heroes in the, um, the Black Power Movement and just in general. And she's one of the also um, one of the thought leaders of prison abolition. And by prison abolition, we're talking about how Prisons themselves are a very inhumane and ineffective way to solve um, society's ills. So do you find that, like, because we're in a very fraught political time right now, obviously, although I guess it's always been a fraught time. I think that's sort of (laughs) misleading to say that this is, like, new in a lot of ways. But do you almost find comfort in, like, diving deeper into the politics in order to deal with like um you know feelings yeah because i always felt myself as someone that is a revolutionary or someone that is radical or an activist Mm -hmm. so instead of running away from a lot of these these issues and these problems that we face right now i like to confront it head on and right. figure out exactly what is going on in the world in order to figure out solutions and and figure out next steps and how to solve our problems. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what are you listening to right now? Oh, as far as far as music, I'm listening to um, a lot of uh, jazz right now, like Esperanza Spalding. I was listening to her a lot last night because it just puts me in a real relaxing mood at the end of the night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
And so listening can also mean, I don't know if you're into podcasts or like you listen to the radio or anything like that, but it can also be something like that too. I don't listen to too much um, podcasts, but um, that's something I'm trying to get really more into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so jazz, anything else? Um, that That's it. That's my goal. <laughs> you know, besides yeah. the regular trap music. Um, I do try to listen to some podcasts like Pod Save America sure, and um, the Partially Examined Life, which is like really great if you're into like philosophy oh, because cool. they break down the philosophers in like easy terms, and easy ways to understand it. So I like that. Oh, that's cool. Um, I had not heard of that. Um, and then is there anything you're you're watching currently? <laughs> you're going to laugh. What? I watch Fox News a lot. Now. Oh, my God. Good on you. I, I am not the type of person. I've realized I'm not the type of person who can watch Fox News and be, like, a healthy human being. <laughs> I get, like, so mad. Yeah. Yeah. But good for you. No, I feel like I'm Trump because it's literally on all the <laughs> at my house. And it's just so fascinating just to hear other people's, like, thoughts and how they really attack um, a lot of us, whether it's Black Lives Matter or folks who identify as being on the left. Yeah. And it's amazing to feel that, you know, there's millions of people who are actually watching this in the green. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, it probably is good someone is watching and, like, monitoring what they're talking about. Yeah. I yeah. really do feel like we're at this point now where we live on separate planets, you know, like people on the left and people on the right, and Every once in a while, I will go to a right-wing website or I will watch Fox News a little bit, and it's almost like they're speaking a different language. They're, like, talking about stories that aren't even on my radar or they're talking about stories that I am familiar with but in such a weird, warped way that it's, like, almost unrecognizable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So do you kind of do it in a, like, know-thy-enemy sort of way? Definitely. Um, and also in a way that a lot of us millennials, I found that we don't watch the news. Even though we are kind of worldly, we usually get our, our news information from social media. Right. And I'm just really trying to get back into the habit of watching news and also trying to figure out um, how news really helps to shape people's psychology and helps them shape their whole um, thought process. Yeah, that is true. There is a huge generational divide with how we get our news like I don't even own a tv anymore because I can just get everything online but for like my parents that's totally weird they watch you know msnbc all day or they have it on in the background you know um so yeah that is interesting and I feel like it would be dangerous if like younger people lost touch with that sort of older platform right um so before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, is there any like advice you have for people in terms of self-care, like what they could be doing right now to sort of like remain mentally strong so they can like keep doing the work? One of the things I always tell people is don't be afraid to say no. Mm. Um, so a lot of times people will ask you to do things or do favors for them and Always be strong in saying no. And don't say, 
yes when you really mean no and don't say maybe when you really mean no. That all these things that you take upon yourself um, can add more stress to you when you really don't need to. Um, one of the things I really want to do, tell people, is that journaling is a fantastic way to get out your thoughts of the day mm-hmm. and also in your journal to also mark down not only the failures of that day or just your experiences that day, but what were the good things that happened today? What were your, your little wins? No matter how small they were, like everything was a win and you should recognize that, and that you are moving in a, in a good direction. Yeah, I I think that's great advice. I'm still working on the not being afraid to say no (laughs) thing because I was also, you know, raised Catholic. So there's like a lot of guilt, (laughs) like if you say no to people. Um, But it really like truly I have learned and it took me like 30 years to learn this. But people also chances are will not get mad at you if you say no especially if you're like you know I just feel really burnt out and I need a day like people are so cool about it right generally speaking and if they're not they're assholes and you should avoid them (laughs) anyway but but like you know like most people are very they get it you know and chances are like they've been in that place too where they felt really burnt out and they couldn't do something and so Mm -hmm. they tend to be cool about it yeah and they rather they appreciate you rather you saying it in the beginning, then canceling on them later. For sure, for sure. Yeah, that's a great point too. Although, if you do need to cancel like later on too, don't do it last minute. But I've had to do that too, where like at the time I thought I would, I could do something, and then like I realized it was tomorrow, and I was like, oh, I really don't feel good, <laughs> you know. And I've, I've had to cancel, and people have been nice about that too. Um, and then yeah, what you were saying about little victories, I think that's so important, especially. <laughs> You know, on the macro level, those of us on the left, oftentimes it's like three steps forwards, two steps back, you know. But it's so important to remember, like, when we do win, when we have those victories, because, like, if you don't savor those moments, you will burn out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100 percent. Where can everyone follow you? Um, Everyone can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. My username is Zelly Imani. That's Z-E-L-L-I-E-I-M-A-N-I, all one word. Thanks again to Zelly. Please go follow him on Twitter at Zelly Amani. Let him know you enjoyed the interview. By the way, guys, if you ever have any thoughts or feelings about a Light Treason News episode, we're on Twitter, hashtag Light Treason Pod, if you would like to see... Uh, If you would like me to see your tweets, if you would like to see any of my co-hosts, how did I phrase this? If you would like any of my co-hosts to see the tweets, use hashtag LightTreesAndPod. If you ever want to see any of the links to any of the stories we talk about, those are on our Lipson page. We are LightTreesAndNews.Lipson.com because SoundCloud doesn't allow hyperlinks. Really? Yes. So I can't put them there. Guys, come on, SoundCloud. It's that time of the episode. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news.
All right, let's talk about the New York primaries. Uh, yeah. By the way, we're going to come back to this in the good news section because there were a lot of very good things that actually happened. Oh, uh, the, the rare split. Yes. Split topic. I always feel bad because I'm like dumping a lot of bad news and I want to be like, don't worry, there's also good news about this story. But you have to wait because we're mm. not in the good news section. Yeah. You have to be patient. You do. It's like, do you do this too when you eat a meal? You save whatever your favorite thing is. You save one bite of it for the last? No. You don't? No. Is that not a common thing? No, I think it, that is a common thing. I just don't happen to do it. <laughs> I I've, I do that to an infuriating degree. I Did think. you see the absolute batshit way Chelsea Peretti eats cake? On Twitter? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. So, you know how sometimes... This is not bad news, guys, that <laughs> Chelsea Peretti eats cake in a weird way. But, you know, like, when there's strips of icing throughout the cake, mm -hmm. she eats around them. She, like, eats the, like, the like the cake? Yeah, like, around... And leaves the icing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Isn't that weird? Oh, my God. And then some people were like, I do that, too, to save the icing for last. But I was like, I don't think that's what she's doing. I think she just hates the icing. So oh she's, God. like, eating around it. Yeah, I know. Well, that's... Get a muffin. <laughs> <laughs> Get a muffin. Uh, so, guys, unfortunately, Andrew Cuomo is still the governor of New York. <sighs> yeah, I know. It happened pretty quickly. Um, also, uh, Jumaine uh, lost the lieutenant governor <sighs> position. But that was actually really close. It looked like for a while that Jumaine was going to win. Uh, Jermaine Williams, and I don't have the final breakdown in front of me, but he was leading for a while. Yeah. But it was very, very close. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, unfortunately, we still have Cuomo. We still have uh, nepotism, cronyism, corruption, all that stuff. I think, you know, I, I, I know we're going to get into this a little later, but there were victories that were good. Yes. But one thing I was thinking about when all the results came in because I saw a lot of people on Twitter that were confused or just like, you know, it, it is kind of bewildering because like Cynthia Nixon did have a lot of uh, press and a lot of like support um, and she lost pretty handily. Um, but I think one thing that people forget is that like stuff like the governor's race is for the entire state and not the city. Yes. And that tends to get overlooked when people look at like support numbers and stuff um, yeah. or just like in general, what people perceive to be levels of support. Yeah. There's this very fucked up thing in, it's not just New York, but here in New York where there are Republicans upstate in the Senate who control the funding to the subway system in New York city mm -hmm. and they are not adequately funding it because they never use it. Right. And they don't care. And if that seems completely batshit to you, it's because it's completely batshit. Yeah. People who don't live in our city, who don't use our public transportation, should not be in charge of the funding. Right. It's very simple, but that's the way the New York Senate works. We, yeah. We have to deal with a lot of Republicans upstate who basically have contempt for the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why, I mean, it was very good that, like, Cynthia Nixon talked about fixing the, the subways and stuff, but also it's like, that's great. Uh, and that helps, you know, that's a great platform. But also it's like that doesn't resonate with anyone outside the city who doesn't use. Sure. That that does, they don't they literally don't give a shit. There was <laughs> also some and I don't have like the the demographic breakdowns. Of I would who, love to who see voted that. for what. But there was also that. some speculation that she was a brand new candidate. Yeah, she pretty yeah, much yeah. stormed the scene mm -hmm. and that maybe, you know, 
you know, people who traditionally vote Democrat who don't who weren't familiar with her. We're mm-hmm. wary of her. Well, there's that. And there's also <laughs> New York's fucking ridiculous laws for registering to vote in primaries. Yeah. We're, so uh, she, Mayor de Blasio's son uh-huh. uh, wasn't able to vote. Right. And you have to like. You had to have been registered like six months ago or something. And if you were registered with the working family part, family's party, you can't vote in a Democratic election. And I know people who were trying to get it switched from uh, WFP to the Democratic Party, and they were assured that everything was fine, and they showed up to vote, and they were Mm -hmm. like, you're not a registered Democrat. Exactly, yeah. That's very fucked up. I mean, also the fact that Cuomo outspent Cynthia Nixon eight Mm -hmm. to one. Right. There's a lot of reasons why she was at a severe disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Voting in New York City is absolutely batshit. Yeah. It really is. I mean, there were a bunch of people on Twitter uh, tweeting about how they showed up and they weren't on the rolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, voters are getting purged from the rolls all the time. Yeah. And uh, uh, it unfairly targets Democrats, believe it or not, guys. I got very lucky and had maybe the best voting experience of my life. Charles and I were amazed we were on the roll because... He got two text alerts that were like, <laughs> you're voting in Bed-Stuy, you're voting in Washington Heights. Whoa. So he was like, which is where he used to live. Yeah. So he's like, no way am I going to be on the rolls. Mm-hmm. And then I got really worried because I was like, I switched online, but I never got a confirmation that like oh, it went yeah, through. Yeah. So I was like, fuck. So we both showed up and both of our signatures were in the book and we were like, fuck yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to have to go to Williamsburg and he's going to have to go to Washington Heights yeah. to vote. Yeah. I got super lucky. My polling place was literally across the street. <laughs> from my house oh my god <laughs> and like I, mine's really close to i think it was like a 10 minute walk yeah mine yeah. was like literally across the street okay. i showed up i was on the roll there was no line yeah. <laughs> i was like i left my house finished voting got coffee and was home in like 10 minutes yeah it was ridiculous but that is so not the case for a lot of people in new york so another thing that was very fucked up that happened was a lot of voters had no idea that there would be judges on the ballot I, d- I was scared. I did not know that. I did not okay. realize that. I'm not even going to pretend to understand this system, but Jezebel has an article about it. And this is what I think it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the reason that nobody knew there would be judges on the ballot is because New York elects judges in a very fucked up way. Mm-hmm. This is what I think happens is <laughs> I think we vote for a representative who chooses the judge. Okay. So those aren't even the judges. Oh, 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 that makes sense. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I assume that's true if that's what they're saying. I just, that makes sense though. Cause it's like, you're, it's like the same way that like, technically it's the same way. Like, I don't know, like, yeah, you're voting on a, a delegate to appoint your judges yeah. basically. So uh, Jezebel spoke with a lady named uh, Susan uh, Lerner who uh what's her deal um she's just like an expert who Mm -hmm. knows how the the judges are appointed so she said the state constitution lets the legislature decide how to choose judges at various times the state has chosen judges through a primary process in the early 20th century the legislature decided to change that process and instead of having primary elections to choose judicial candidates let it set up what's called a convention process and what that means is on your ballot, you vote for party activists who will be part of 
a nominating convention, a judicial convention, and those activists will choose who the party puts up for civil or Supreme Court judge. It's a very political process. It allows the party leadership to handpick who will be on the bench. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fucked up? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. It's super fucked up. And I don't I don't think people know that. I think the a lot of people voting were like, I am choosing a judge right now. Yeah. I did not vote for judge. Mm. I did not fill it in because I did not know what was going yeah, on yeah, and yeah. I didn't research it beforehand. So but I like, left it blank. We know nothing about the judges who were being picked. Yeah. We mm. don't know anything about the party activists because they surprise everybody that they mm. were on a ballot. New York City voting is the most batshit process. <laughs> it truly is. The fact that I would say almost no one knew that was going to be on the ballot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then even fewer people probably understood they weren't voting for the judge. I don't think it says anything like that on it there. Doesn't. I think it just said New York judge or just think it just said, like, I don't know. It's, it's weird, guys. It's, it's weird and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. So did you have anything else you wanted to say about the election? Oh, Zephyr Teachout also lost, which is yes. a bummer. Uh, it is. Letitia James... I remember like a handful of years ago was our progressive choice. Mm -hmm. So it's not like Zephyr Teachout lost to the embodiment of evil. It's not like Cuomo or anything. Yeah. And actually, I know a lot of progressives who voted for Letitia James. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not like Cuomo or Nixon. I also wanted to talk about uh, Chief Dum Dum's comments about Puerto Rico. So I know. He tweeted, 3,000 people did not die in the two hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico. When I left the island, after the storm had hit, they had anywhere from 6 to 18 deaths. As time went by, it did not go up by much. Then, a longer time later, they started to report really large numbers, like 3,000. This was done by the Democrats in order to make me look as bad as possible when I was successfully raising billions of dollars to help rebuild Puerto Rico. Definitely didn't raise billions of dollars for Puerto Rico. If a person died for any reason, like old age, just add them onto that list. Bad politics. I love Puerto Rico. So this is the president conspiracy theorying that the Democrats like made up this number. Alex Jones was kicked off of Twitter for mm-hmm. very similar mm-hmm. comments about other tragedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's not a conspiracy. Uh, that many people did die. Mm-hmm. And also, like <laughs> to his point that like they're including people that died after the hurricanes, like they died because of the hurricane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if if you die and and it destroys your house and something breaks your leg and then you die a couple days later, that you died because of the hurricane. Or, yeah, if (laughs) you died because, yeah, a loss of, like, you know. Or you died because the fucking president didn't show up and get you supplies like they said they were going to. Or, like, contaminated water. Like, the deaths that happen after a, a natural disaster are part of the natural of disaster. Course, yeah. yeah, so... Also, he, you know, he... Like, they find people dead after the disaster. Right, Like, yeah. they find people like, in debris takes, and wreckage. There's like, a reason that death toll numbers often take a long time to come yeah. out after a catastrophe like this. It's, it's, like you said, you have to wait for the waters to recede. You have to go through all of the rubble. Mm-hmm. It, it, it takes a very, very you long time, no especially idea. if you don't have a lot of resources. Like right. Puerto Rico mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of resources. Um, Did you see the picture supposedly showing millions of bottles of water sitting on an air, sitting on a uh, runway? 
No. Undelivered in Puerto Rico? No. Like recently? Yeah. A couple of days ago, uh, somebody put on picture, uh, put on Twitter pictures showing so what looks to be like an entire airport runway mm-hmm. filled with pallets and pallets and pallets of bottled water. Wow. Yeah. That's horrible. Also, uh, in climate change news, <clears throat> aka like um, bureaucratic ineptitude, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, so Hurricane Florence has been downgraded to a tropical depression. 14 people are reportedly dead, although, like we just said, that number will probably go up once yeah. the floodwaters recede. Uh, and as so often happens whenever there's a storm like this, you know, people were saying, like, well, why don't people just leave these areas in, in the Carolinas? Mm-hmm. And there was a study that showed, like, you know, obviously a lot of these people are poor. Not many of them have access to cars. Yeah. It's not an easy process to just uproot your life and leave. Not everyone has a place to go. Exactly. So this is a class issue. This is a race issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, it's a failure by the government because a lot of these areas flooded like two years ago. Right. So they already knew, like local and state governments knew these areas were were vulnerable to flooding. Mm -hmm. This is going to happen more and more because of climate change. We're going to see more extreme storms. This will happen again. People will die yeah we know that Mm -hmm. so what are you doing to address the issue that's really the issue you know like and unfortunately because it's affecting poor people of color right um there's not a lot of resources being poured into the problem right of course and of course there's no way to predict that a hurricane will happen Right, but we do know that more storms happen every year, that those storms are getting more and more severe. So while it might not be possible to plan like when a storm's going to happen, where it will happen. It'll definitely happen. Because I mean, it is... It's hard to predict a specific hurricane. You know that it will happen. Where that storm's going to hit. Because like, I think the reason our leadership in New York City has been able to skate by after Sandy is who the hell knows when we're going to get hit with another Sandy. You never know. But we definitely will, and it will be devastating and probably worse, but they can sort of kick the can down the road because maybe it won't happen. Mm -hmm. It'll spin off, like this storm, for example, spun Mm -hmm. off early and hit the Carolinas. But if we had gotten hit with that storm... Mm Would have been real bad. You guys weren't here for Sandy, right? No. Ooh, doggy. That was bad. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did read somewhere that um, the five-day landfall forecast for Florence was off by only two miles. Wow. So that stuff's the predictive. Good work, nerds. Yeah. The predictive modeling is getting better. Yeah. And so they're able to see this stuff happening uh, before it hits land. Because it used to be like... If a hurricane changed course, you didn't like you would know when it hit land. <laughs> like you would know when it hit. And, yeah. You know. Did you see the footage of the weatherman? Weatherman who they had like the um the green screen behind him, and they were showing like what different feet of flooding looks like. Mm-hmm. It was simultaneously. I was like, this is so cool, and I was yeah. also like, this is horrifying yeah (laughs) like we need this technology (laughs) but they were showing like what happens in like six feet of water and like a street sign is almost underwater and then nine feet of like flooding and cars are floating by it was very vivid but i was also like this is our nightmare i think people just don't understand like i guess 
I think people in general have to experience things firsthand in order to truly like have a good understanding of them. Mm-hmm. So like when they hear about threats of flooding, people that have never been through a flood, it's hard to like, I don't know. It's almost like it feels like something that doesn't exist. Almost. Does that make sense? Like it's really it feels like something that happens imagine. in the movies. Yeah. I was in, I drove through a flash flood once mm-hmm. Uh, there was a tornado that hit in normal Illinois where I went to school and I very stupidly drove uh, during the storm because I was going to pick up my friend from work because she was freaking out. Mm-hmm. She'd never been in a tornado before. Yeah. And there was a flash flood and the water rose so fast. Yeah. And at one point I felt my car lift mm-hmm. and like I can't express that feeling like what what that's like yeah and the only reason my car didn't get swept is there was a huge truck in front of me that was like carving out a path in the water and i just stayed on his tail but like i felt my i drove like a little saturn Mm -hmm. i felt it like (laughs) the tires lift up from the water and like it's the scariest feeling but i never would have been able to comprehend that right and how fast it can happen yeah i think it's i think it's like that for a lot of things i mean i i know like you know, I've driven in the snow before and I was like, it's fine. You can drive in the snow. And then like the first time your car like skids, skids you're like, yeah. oh shit. You I cannot, drive, yeah, in you cannot drive in the snow. <laughs> I need chains on my tires. And so yeah. it's sort of like when you hear like a, like a weather person being like, there's going to be, a, you know, one foot of, of flooding or whatever. It's kind of like if you've never actually had it, it's kind of yeah. hard to imagine it to the point where it almost feels like a thing that only happens in the movies or something like that. And it's sort yeah. of like, whatever like we'll see also what i think people get annoyed with the media because there are a handful of like pundits or, or like weather people who exaggerate mm-hmm. the have you ever seen those? there's a lot of videos going on around twitter now from florence yeah of like a weather guy acting like he's getting blown he's over like from the wind and then you see two dudes just like yeah. very mm-hmm. calmly walking behind him there's I, also the woman in the canoe yeah yeah yeah. and then there's people in boots like mm-hmm. walking behind her so there's like a little bit of that too and i think yeah. people are like is it that bad mm-hmm. but it yes, yes it is that actually that bad guys speaking of it not being that bad Ooh. here is your good news <laughs> So, as promised, we're going to talk about the good things that happened during the New York primary. Yeah. So, six New York or Democratic insurgents toppled six New York state incumbents. So, that's good. Awesome. The most most high-profile casualty was Senator Jeffrey Klein of the Bronx the former head of the IDC. In that role, he was for years one of Albany's most powerful players, sharing leadership of the chamber with his counterparts in the Republican conference and participating in the state's secretive budget negotiations, what we were just talking about, like with the subway and stuff like that. But on Thursday, he was defeated by Alessandra Biaggi, a lawyer and former aide to Governor Cuomo. That's another thing, guys, that I have to say. So, like, when we say uh, Democratic insurgents, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. uh, that is not me offering approval of the people who won. But what's interesting about this is they defeated 
a lot of like old guard Democrats, long time incumbents, long time incumbents who are also perceived as being very corrupt, mm -hmm. very cozy with Republicans upstate. And obviously there's a lot of frustration about that. Right. So not saying that the people replacing them are like super progressive or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, so also defeated were five other former IDC members, Senators Tony Avella, Jose Peralta in Queens, Senator Jesse Hamilton in Brooklyn, Senator Marisol Alcantara, Alcantara in Manhattan, and Senator David uh, Valesky in Syracuse. They fell to John Liu, Jessica Ramos, Zelnor Myrie, Robert Jackson, and Rachel May, respectively. Mm -hmm. So uh, And Julia Salazar. And Julia saw. Salazar. Yeah. Senator Martin Dillon, who is not part of the IDC, was defeated by Julia Salazar. Uh, she is the 27-year-old Democratic Socialist whose candid candidacy energized young voters in swaths of gentrifying Brooklyn. This is in the New York Times. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Did I... I can't remember if I told, I told the story on the show. Did I tell you that uh, a DSA member came to my apartment and I was already a member of the DSA? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think they were looking for my roommate uh -huh. uh, to canvas him and they like showed up and they're like, is, uh, is Danny home? And I was like, no, and they're like, oh, well, do you live here? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, well, we wanted to talk to you about Julie Salazar. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I already remember. cut you off right yeah. there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, she is, um, she's an interesting candidate. She mm -hmm. has sort of a complicated relationship with uh, truthfulness. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That's, yeah. She uh, got a little bit in trouble lately. She, uh, she appears to have lied about a lot of her history background. I sort of wonder, I'm sort of, I would. I don't know that we'll ever know. I would be curious to know how much of the brouhaha that happened with her came from like after she decided to run like uh like like election consultants. Do you know what I mean? Like people that you know, like people that were when she decided whether she announced or not, like people that were like advising her on how to run a campaign. Oh, like if they made her lie <laughs> not made her just like advised her like if you want to appear more like sympathetic or uh, do you know what i mean like i don't know she's been saying this story for a while has she yeah uh, okay yeah because it's like about her life yeah where she's like yeah she she presented her family as being like immigrants mm -hmm. and it's not true yeah uh and then she was like no i meant my dad worked in Colombia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> i was like okay and then she said they were working class they weren't working class yeah. they were you know mm -hmm. middle class from florida yeah yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like if there was a Republican who was busted for that, we mm -hmm. would be like, you know, there would be widespread condemnation. Yeah. Um, at least from liberals. But mm -hmm. yeah, uh, I'm sort of like, cool. Another Democratic Socialist is in. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe she now that she's been busted, she'll uh, she'll stop lying <laughs> constantly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm putting it in the good news because any any uh, challenger to the uh, Democratic Party leadership in mm -hmm. New York is really good and really important because they have basically ruled over us like a monarchy yeah. for a really long time. And the mm -hmm. city is falling apart right. because the Democratic leadership is so corrupt mm -hmm. and the Republicans suck. But, you know. It's both of their faults. Right. So also in good news. Oh, 
oh, who predicted it so long ago? <laughs> Paul Manafort flipped everybody. That's so good. Uh-huh. He agreed to cooperate with the Mueller investigation into the alleged Russian meddling in the U.S. election as part of his plea deal. Um, and I was trying to see. So even under the plea deal, I think he's facing like 10 years in prison. Mm hmm. Which, you know, he's not a, he's no spring <laughs> chicken, chicken, <laughs> you know, so 10 years is, it's a decade. It's it's a, a, I mean, it's, it's a, a long time, but also he was facing like a hundred years in prison. Right. So this is a good deal for him. But like we always say, unlike Theresa News, you don't get a play deal for nothing. That's true. So he has turned over some juicy deets. I like to believe to that. To the Mueller he, people. I like to believe that. His deal negotiation was like, fine, I'll give it up on Trump, but I get to keep the rugs. <laughs> All right, Paul, you can <laughs> keep the rugs. So uh, in a statement, White House spokeswoman Sarah Sanders said on Friday, this has uh, this meaning the plea deal has absolutely nothing to do with the president or his victorious 2016 presidential campaign. It is totally unrelated. How can it be? It's part of the Mueller investigation. <laughs> it's exactly related. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> if it wasn't about Trump, what would the plea deal be? What would Manafort have to give to Mueller in order in exchange for a plea? Yeah. But oh, what, <laughs> I should mention, too, that so he's looking at 10 years in prison. He'll probably also have to, like, turn over some of his... Uh, one of his many bank accounts or some of his... Mm -hmm. Yeah, his plethora of bank accounts where he ha keeps all of his shady cash. I highly recommend, I forget what, I forget where it is posted, but there's a great article uh, that uh, talks about how Manafort was busted. Um, and it's a great read because it's basically he was busted by a uh, nosy Brooklyn mom. <laughs> <laughs> great. Mm -hmm. As we all are, mm -hmm. ultimately. It's like, it's, it's like the most, like, high stakes version of like uh like a what do they call them like a homeowners association like yeah. you know when they're like everybody's up in everybody's business about their houses that's basically what happened to paul because he he had a brownstone in brooklyn that was like constantly under construction because basically he was just funneling money through it right and like his one of his neighbors just got fed up with she her being like, she's no, like no 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 she's like he's not sweeping his sidewalk <laughs> And there's always construction, and I'm tired of it. So she went looking into the records of the house. Oh my god! And like found all these like shady deal, like all these like shady deeds and stuff to go with the house. And then listen, I don't know many, how many times I have to tell you people do not fuck with women. <laughs> <laughs> we will look into your property. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I just love that the BBC at the bottom of this article has like a section that is just <laughs> entitled How Did We Get Here? That's what they're going to call the book. How did we get here? That's what the, when the Paul Manafort When story. Trump is inevitably gone, it's like, <laughs> how did we get here? Oh, God. Yeah. And I mean, again, I have no idea if this will result in anything happening to Trump, but, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it, it, it does feel like Mueller. It's like a death by a thousand cuts, yeah. you know? It does feel like that. It's just, it's just like, I don't know, like all the stuff going on with the Mueller investigation and also just like when you know Donald Trump's history, you, like honestly, how did we get here is pretty much something I say multiple times per day Yeah. when it comes to Trump. Because like I watched this documentary on Netflix just about how much of a fraud Trump is, just like in business, mm -hmm. how oh, he's a yeah. total fraud. I was like, how is this, like how is this happening? 
Yeah. Yeah, I know. Is that your new phone? I got a new phone. Is this like the new iPhone? No, it is a it is a very low frills uh moto. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the new iPhones are ridiculously expensive. Yes. Uh, I w- did not want to Can I hold it? Yes. These phones are so big. I feel like, oh, no, that's okay. I could deal with that. It least seems a little bulkier because the case is huge. Yeah. Uh, it's not so bad. There were the actual a lot of women have been bad. complaining because obviously um, they just keep getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about it, a lot most engineers at Apple are men. Yeah. So like when they, they hold the phones, yeah. yeah. But it's hard for some women to hold the phones. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I, is everywhere, guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got a very cheap, uh, like, uh, Android phone because I don't use my phone for much. It's mostly just like text and a few apps um how much at, was that uh it was free with my phone plan whoa what's your phone plan i got metro pcs oh okay which if you live in new york i recommend yeah it's cheap and it it basically is just tethered onto t-mobile's network so the how service is, is great fifty dollars a month for unlimited data shit that is good it's pretty good all right i have to ho- rethink my whole life but here's the thing <laughs> i'm so I'm like stuck in the Apple cult now. Look, I had an iPhone for work for a long time. I, the user experience of an iPhone is immeasurably better yeah. than Android. I just cannot afford an iPhone. I know, but I like, I have, guys, you don't need to know this, but I'm in the Apple cult because I own exclusively Macs mm-hmm. and I need my devices to be able to communicate. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So now I'm just like in it for life. Mm-hmm. I'm fucked. If you haven't entered the Apple cult yet, don't enter it. Because I feel like once you get in, then you're yeah, like, I'm yeah, yeah. stuck. I, I, I would have been the same way if I had already owned like a Mac laptop. I would have just yeah. bit the bullet and gotten an I iPhone. I always forget. I'm like, that's why I'm doing this. Yeah, because it is nice to have yeah. your phone and your computer tethered together and you can transfer stuff between them. And well, yeah, and I need them to be able to communicate for like work stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, guys, please follow Eric on Twitter at Eric, spelled E-R-E-K underscore Smith. Mm-hmm. Please go to lighttreason.news, smash that donate button to keep us going. You know, times are tough. So, like, if, for example, you're like, Allison, I can't afford a one-time donation or $5 a month, that's totally fine. Just tell your friends about the show. And I see you guys when you do that on Twitter. I see people like, someone will be like, hey, what podcast should I listen to? And they at lighttreason.news. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. I see you. I see your little faces. That sounds creepy. <laughs> In a not creepy way, I mm-hmm. see you. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I didn't announce this at the top of the show, but you guys voted, and you are troublemakers. Oh, okay. That's your name. That's Love what it. they want. Okay. I'm, I'm like, all right, okay. if that's what you want, all you're right. troublemakers. Mm-hmm. And uh, One word or two words? Two, one word. Okay. Uh, yeah, guys, and if you had any thoughts about today's episode, hashtag Light Trees and News. It's the start of a brand new week, so we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening, and while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>